Hi, welcome to our podcast called Let's Work on Work, where we explore generational issues in the workplace as a mother-daughter duo. I'm Lynn Hayes. And I'm Emmy Hayes. Let's work on work. We started this podcast to just talk about generational differences, leadership styles, and all of the good stuff in between. That's right. And and a couple of things that we decided that we were going to talk about along the way is how we're really not that much different. We're not that different. And I was young once. Were you? Which is incredible to think about. Yes. You were young once. I was. Yeah. I was actually your age when you were born. I know. If you really want to think about that. how crazy that is. I mean, that's great. I I that's fine. <laughs> I'm an older millennial. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You're not that much older uh, than Yeah. The cutoff is 2000. For millennials, you were in 1988. Oh yeah, I'm a hardcore so you're, millennial. You're a hardcore mid of the middle of the road. But I'm not millennial. like avocado toast millennial. Eh, I do well, appreciate. I'm kind of an avocado toast millennial. Yeah. See, we're not that different. See, we're not. Because once I learned how delicious avocado toast was, <laughs> I want to eat it all the time. You know, if we didn't eat it as much, I could probably have a house. Apparently. Oh, that's those, right. Uh, new article. Millennials are spending all of their money on <laughs> avocado toast. Oh, uh, brought to you by avocado toast. Did you graduate from Iowa State University, and you were ready to go out to the big bad world? How did that feel? Well. It probably wouldn't have felt quite as scary if I had a job when I graduated from Iowa State University, but I kind of goofed off the last semester of my senior year, goofed off a little bit more than you ever thought of, <laughs> and uh, it was the weather was perfect the whole spring semester, and um, I remember distinctly making a plan to go to the job fair. My mom took me shopping when I was home. We got myself. Oh. I actually had, it was an off-white linen suit, jacket, skirt, and pant- pantyhose, navy blue pumps. I don't know what the blouse was like. I can't remember. Okay. But what I do remember is that I brought that suit back from college, or from home, back to college to go to the job fair, and somewhere between my parking, the parking lot, mm-hmm. and the dorm room, <laughs> I lost my skirt. <laughs> I got home and back to my dorm room, and the only thing that was left of my suit was my jacket. And my sister still makes fun of me to this day for putting an ad in the Iowa State paper, uh, missing one skirt, reward. And it never... How how much was the reward? $25. And that was a lot of money. I was going to say, that was probably a great suit. And it was a good suit, and then it was lost. And so I couldn't go to the job fair because I didn't have a suit. And because those were, you couldn't just like slap on a pair of black pants with a jacket in those days. It just wasn't accepted. And so I don't know if I would have gotten a job or not at the job fair. I didn't get to go. Because you had no skirt. Because I I had no skirt. (laughs) Okay. So, so you graduated and you you moved back home. I moved home and I went and my mom was happy to have me there. I think she might've been a little disappointed in me that I didn't have a job. She would have never said that. She did suggest to me that I might uh, find a career in selling Wang word processors. I know that makes you giggle. Uh, back in the late 70s, <laughs> early 80s, Yang, back in the late 70s, early 80s, Wang word processors were very popular. And okay. it, they were kind of cutting edge. They were a computer. They were before like, Mac, I'm going to have to do a lot of research on oh, this. Oh, yes. Before the before Apple. Before any of that. Before cool. even people had PCs. And it was a a computer-based word processor, so you could save your files. You didn't have to use whiteout. 
Yeah. So that's actually interesting that, that grandma was like about that pushing you towards something that was like a new technology, because I think that's obviously another component of generational divides is even from the perspective of um, a boomer technology was still advancing in the form of a computer and a personal computer. You didn't grow up with it, but it was hitting you kind of in the workforce, like as you progress throughout your career. And now on my side, I've learned that being the millennial has led to a lot of, oh, you're an expert at social media, at knowing what the new iPhone does, at knowing what the new kind of processing data does. And sometimes it rains true, but sometimes it doesn't. So that's really interesting, though, that it was kind of on the forefront of like, hey, maybe sell these new bangled computers. She was a visionary. I mean, I, yeah. she really thought that it was going to be a big thing. And she was right. And I should have listened to her. <laughs> so to all y'all, all y'all out there that are saying, what does this mom-daughter duo have to do with anything? If you don't learn anything else from this, your mom is always right. It's true. And so I didn't do that. I went back to the department store that I had worked at during the summers and asked for asked if they had any openings, and they were working on putting a management training program together. So mm -hmm. they hired me, and I spent about nine months on rotations through different departments in the, in the department store. Mm -hmm. And I just remember what a hard transition it was. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard transition from college to the real world. I of feel work. like every young person has that transition, even from high school to a full-time job or from college. It's not mm -hmm. because you're a millennial. It's not the generational differences. It's because of the, it's like you're giving something up. You're giving away your freedom. You don't have that anymore. <laughs> giving away my freedom. It's, it's sad. It's sad when you say it that way because you don't want... Well, and that's why we need to work on work, Emmy, because work shouldn't be a place that you go to and struggle every day. It should Work should be a place that you go to and come out better than you were. And more and more people are making excuses about, well, it's this and it's that. And I think we also need to start taking um, accountability for ourselves at work. I feel like I'm off on a tangent. Yeah. Anyway, going okay. back to my mom and the word processing yes. machines, I just uh, felt like a mall job. Yeah. And retail. I, retail. I went to retail. And God bless everybody in the world that's ever had a retail job or still does because it's it's uh, a dying art, I think. Um, I did learn a lot from that job. And I also was actually, the, that was probably my first foray into leadership because I did have the job with the big department store. And then I hate to tell you this, but I'd been in Des Moines for a few months and then in April of, of that year, I just got so homesick. I missed my mom. Mm -hmm. So I quit my job without another job. <laughs> and I moved home, packed up my stuff and went home. Yeah. Then what was, then what was next? Another retail job. More so retail. I went Is to... Is this where you met dad? Yes. Yeah. I met him at the mall. Uh, I love it. Today's podcast was brought to you by The Discerning Hoarder where your generation is buying our generation's old stuff. Find The Discerning Hoarder at www.etsy.com slash shop slash The Discerning Hoarder. Who knows what kind of goodies you'll find out there. Like your skirt from 1981. I hope we find it. So, second retail job, meet dad, and then 
y'all get happily ever after Mm -hmm. and you move on to another job which I think is one of your best mm, background stories of just understanding a very very um rough workplace and being a young woman in in that environment um but you're at a factory yep so I somehow I always managed to get these management training jobs when I was uh, young and just just married, not even married yet. I was mm-hmm. just dating. We um, there was an opportunity to uh, apply for a job as a management trainee because they were looking for promotable women mm. because there were none. Binders full of women. Binders full of promotable women, and as a female whose daddy worked at the factory, mm-hmm. I was kind of given preferential treatment. I'm just going to say it. And nepotism was alive and well. I went and applied for the job. Uh, I'll never forget the interview. I feel like I had a new suit by then. Yes, skirt matched the <laughs> skirt matched the jacket. Didn't really understand what I was getting into. Uh, it was for shop floor supervisor. It wasn't really a healthy environment. And I'm sure that they've done lots of things since then to make it healthier. And I wouldn't ever want to disparage it because... You know, it, it provided me a lot of uh, good fodder for stories and also uh, assertiveness, assertiveness training that I'll ne- I could never get anywhere else. It taught me to be strong, to stand up for myself, to never be surprised because <laughs> people will pull the worst stuff on you. you know, and, and it was relentless. Yeah, how long how long were you there? I was there for almost nine years, and I wow. was. You were born when I was there. Mm-hmm. I was um, born in a factory. You weren't born in the factory, <laughs> but I was pregnant with you when I was working there. So sorry. Great, I'm a I mutant. Know. No, you're fine. I also Sam Sam was also born when I worked there. Oh, great! I had both, we're of both you. mutants. Well, I Sam, was really careful. Disclaimer: Sam Hayes is my younger brother, another millennial. He's also a millennial. Um. I think the thing about the place was that there were very few women working there. Some women that worked in the in the offices, but there were very few women that were in leadership. And I did eventually end up in a pretty responsible position. I also, um, you know, I, you want to talk about no work life balance. There was zero. Cause, because you had the like graveyard shift for a while, didn't you? Like, right. You were running I did. These mills. I, I ran. I had to work three different shifts, so it was night shift, um, day shift, and afternoon shift, and there and you worked two out of three weekends. Now, what? I was working a day job when I had you. Okay. I did get a job in one of the offices. Why did you stay there for nine years? It's a great question, Emmy. Why? Why would you stay there for nine? Well, years? Well, I just it taught you a lot about leadership and really complex, messy situations, but when you were on a factory floor with, like, steel-toed boots and earplugs constantly and working with these people that, by the end, they absolutely adored and loved you, obviously. Mm -hmm. But why do you think you stayed there for nine years? Have you ever heard the term golden handcuffs? No. It's what happens when (laughs) when you get a job that that pays you so well Mm. that you'll put up with just about anything. It's okay. the idea that you're making so much money that you can't really quit. And that job, the one thing they did do to keep people there was that they pay, paid very well. 
I was making a lot of money and I was providing for my family and, you know, trying to pay the bills. My mother was still alive and, mm-hmm. you know, for many of the years she did die while I was working there, but, um, she was so proud of me for having that job. And my daddy was so proud of me for having that job. So and he was, was there too. He was there too. So we worked on the same shift together. Yes. I didn't, I didn't he used to come pick me that. up at three o'clock in the morning in a buggy. Um, and he'd call me and say, let's go get a cup of coffee. And we'd go over to the coffee machine and he'd put his quarter in and <laughs> get me a paper cup of coffee. And we would sit there and shoot the breeze. And I feel like that was such an honor and a privilege to get to work with him. Yeah. And it, it was, was there. it's hard to, it's hard to even explain the, the, the gift that was. Cause I really did learn great empathy for how hard he worked to take care of his family. Okay, so factory. And then from factory, you took some, no, did you take some time off to get your well, master's? Yes. Yeah. So what okay. happened when I was at the factory is that they offered a golden, no, they offered a, not a golden. Golden handcuffs. Golden. That's, uh, that's not <laughs> suitable for I'm work. I'm not sure I should say that, no. but that's what we called it. Backtrack real fast. How did you decide to want to go into the master's program that you went into? So when I was in school, I thought I was going to be a music teacher when I grew up because I was really great at music and I really wanted to be a teacher. It was absolutely in my heart and soul to be a teacher. I don't know why. I just wanted to be a teacher. That's awesome. That makes sense though. And, and as a, so, so growing up, um, the reason I didn't become a teacher is because my mom felt like I couldn't support myself. Because teachers don't make a lot of money. My mom was really concerned about me being able to support myself because she had been she had grown up in very dire poverty, and she did not want that to happen to us. So she was really she was so fierce. So the reason I got the master's degree that I did was is which is and what is your master's degree? My my master's degree is in instructional design and uh, distance learning, and I got it before any of that was really big. Uh, I was being uh, um, visionary a bit because I had taken a part-time job after um, your dad got back to work at um, a telecommunications company that had a video conferencing room. And I totally that, forgot about this job. How could I forget? We I don't know. We teleconferenced Santa. Santa. That was like and your epic blockbuster. That was a big day. And so I managed this uh, this video conference room, which was Really, when you think about it, it was such a big investment for this little company in Iowa. And they put in this great room with all the tables and the the Kodak machine and all of the things that they needed. And then technology basically just blew it out of the water because you could Skype. Anyway, while I was there, I kind of got the bug because it was really exciting and it was cutting edge. And I thought... I can figure this out. So I went and I was, I really still was determined that I was going to be a teacher and I really wanted to get into corporate training. And really the only way to do it was to get a master's degree. And I did that. I graduated. You remember we took the limo? Yes. Went through McDonald's, (laughs) got chicken nuggets. That was a good day. That was a good day. The limo. Oh, dad was so proud. (laughs) It was so much fun. It was great. It was I don't fun. want to know how much he spent on it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, after I graduated, immediately I had been, I was contacted by some of my um, 
colleagues that I had been in um, ASTD, remember that? American Society of Training and Development. Be careful how you say it. And it... it Aunt Lisa used to call it something else. So... Anyway, so it's now called ATD. And... It's uh, anyway, it's a society of training and development. I was the president of our local chapter. I was just willing myself to be a trainer, and I wasn't one yet. So, I just was willing myself to do it. What what my work experience has given me is wisdom. And I still screw things up every day. However, there's hardly anything that happens that I'm surprised about anymore. And and almost everything that happens in a work situation, I've either had it happen before, I've known somebody that's happened to, and I can usually react in a good way. I think the difference is when you don't have that experience, you're experiencing something for the first time, and you don't have the rules, and you don't know what to do, and it's it can be fraught with peril. Fraught with peril. <laughs> that means really scary. Speaking of kids these days, how about those kids who are in college or about to start college? That can be a tricky transition. Well, Jail Consultants is there. With individualized coaching sessions and guidance throughout the way, Jail Consultants helps your student rise to the occasion. Check out jailconsultants.co. I was going to ask you about your first job out of college. and uh, Unpaid internship. Well, I remember that. I think uh, the first job... It was after 2008, so I graduated in 2011, which I think was important because um, college graduates right before me obviously entered um, a giant recession, right? Oh, that's right. A really bad moment. The Great Recession. The Great Recession. I think I, I was lucky enough to graduate at a time that was kind of reconfiguring their businesses and their business models and what they needed as a new talent. I think I was also very lucky in getting a new job in the social media world. So this is where my naiveness and youth came into play and also a journalism degree from the University of Missouri, M-I-Z. Um, Z-O-U. <laughs> thanks. But I think it was just a, I, I didn't know, I didn't know that I was going to have a job in social media work. I did not think that'd be a career. What did you think you were going to do? I have no idea. I knew I wanted to be a writer. I knew I was studying journalism and everyone's like, journalism is dead and there aren't newspaper jobs and jobs just don't exist. So it's how much, how much wider can you get? And I think this is a good, a good lesson and a good, um, takeaway from all of that is how broad can you make your skill set look and appear and I think I did a really good job of that right outside the gate because a lot of my peers and a lot of um, the people I graduated with that either went to traditional media or they struggled finding a job and all of the above it's just tough and I think I was seeking out well communications marketing maybe advertising maybe some of this new social media work that's happening. Okay, so you graduated with a journalism degree, and yet you ended up in a relatively new field in 2011, really, this whole social media manager business, and that wasn't your plan. No. How did you end up there? 
I think you sat down on a couch with me after my internship was up. And oh, was and like, I held you hostage, and we we I remember now. We sat on your couch, and I said one more application. Yep, one more application, and it was to a small public affairs firm in downtown Chicago. And I, I didn't study PR. I didn't necessarily necessarily understand what what that would be. But um, I, I was intrigued by their clients because honestly, their clients were a lot of nonprofits and associations. And with that journalism background, ethics are super important and they're always important to me. So I felt good about potentially, you know, getting an interview from, from this, this lovely team. And so I did. And I remember walking into the office and it was a small little office built out off of Ooh. State Street. State Street. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right off of State Street. Kind of and above TJ Maxx or something like that. Yeah. And what did I wear? I I might have worn that skirt suit. No joke. That navy blue BCBG. Oh, the ones that we went and bought for all of your interviews. Yes. yes. I think I wore those. Mm-hmm. And I met with the boss and she was fierce. And she looked at me and said, what was the last book you read? And... I I went blank. What a great question, though, for an interview. It is a great question, and it, it was, I think it was the first thing she asked me. You weren't ready for it. No, and I was honestly like, oh, she wants to know me as a person. Harry Potter. Did you say Harry Potter? <laughs> no, I actually had been been reading, because I'm an old soul weirdo, mm-hmm. I think Furious Love about Elizabeth Taylor and, uh, oh. Anyways, it was an old school book. I'm going to She was it. an old school person, and it was like this weird connection where I'm like, yeah, I can hang, and I know things about the internet. So hired. Um, I remember the phone call I took and that they were offering it to me, and they told me my salary, and I was like, oh. That was almost like a free internship, wasn't it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and um, at first I thought it was like, Richard Burton is correct. Richard Burton. There we go. Uh, She was married and divorced him twice. Yes. It was Furious Love. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. She was also married and divorced uh, to Conrad Hilton. So yeah, my first job was social media coordinator at at a small public affairs, public relations firm. In Chicago. In Chicago. And it was before anyone... Because you were determined that you were going to live in Chicago. I was determined I was going to live in Chicago. And Chicago is still a great story of mine. It's still a great city. And I I hope I get back there soon. Um, But this job... Again, looking back, it has taught me about every foundation that you need in decision-making and leadership in presenting in um, consulting, really, because they were looking to me. And mind you, their average age of that team was skewing 35 and older. Mm-hmm. And I was freshly 22. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the back of the like the rec room. I didn't have an office and um, I made it my own. It was great. I had a desk. I had a window that looked at a brick wall. I would find out what needed to be found out because this was before Facebook really took on business as an enterprise. It was before Twitter was used to the degree um, of, of branded content. I mean, this, di- this didn't really exist. And I think it didn't exist for nonprofits and associations. So it was me educating my team. It was me educating clients. It was me educating a whole new realm of, of clientele that said, well, we have to start paying attention to this social media stuff and who can, who can tell us? 
And I was that person. So if you were going to give a new um, college graduate or even someone that's been in the workforce for a few years any advice on some of the things you learned in that first job, what would be a few lessons that you learned? Again, it goes back to the owner. She always, always, always asked really smart, really hard questions. And having it be my job to answer those, I think it was the first time I was put on the spot that this was my responsibility. And learning how to do your research and to have the right kind of, I don't know if it was right, you had to have a very strong recommendation. And she would challenge you on that recommendation. Knowing, knowing, she always knew that she didn't know what she didn't know, if that makes sense. She's like, I don't understand completely SEO and Google Analytics, but can you please give me a monthly report on Google Analytics? So you so, had to go out and learn Google Analytics yes. on your own and go out and you didn't, have any of that in college no I didn't have any of that in college because again looking back even though it was what six six it's going on seven years ago Mm -hmm. it was so different what they taught you and thankfully you know the J school is progressive and it is leading the way in a lot of technologies so I I did have a Twitter account when Twitter was new and everyone's like what is this how will it change the news game and looking back it's like holy smokes but um yeah I think that first job was just the foundation of everything I, I got to do everything, which was great. And that's what I think a lot of young talent, um, they kind of maybe stick their noses up at. Mm, it's a small firm. It's not a famous advertising agency or it's not a huge publication or it's not you know a name brand that I went to, one of the best schools in the nation in this program. I wasn't hung up on that because I think what it was was it was a job And it was such a small team that to me, it was so appealing to get my hands dirty on about every single thing that I could touch. And that, and I did. I remember when I first got asked to do an InDesign project, I'm not a designer. I I know my way around the program, but I remember calling you and being like, this is stupid. I don't get paid enough for this. I'm not a designer. I don't do this. And I think, I mean, I think you were so vivid when you said, what was it? But what a great opportunity to learn. What a great opportunity to learn. Or if you can do it, that's a skill set. You just have to do it. You'll always have it. And And I think that's a great lesson for anybody. And especially a lot of the research shows that what, what generations are looking for, what people are looking for in the workplace now, is that it's not necessarily going to be your lifetime job. Emmy, you've had several jobs since you've been out of college. I've had several jobs. Uh, I used to stay at jobs a long time, and I don't know that that's happening so much anymore. I really feel like you need to not. think about what, <laughs> what you get to learn on the tour of duty that you have while you're mm-hmm. there and, and think about it as a, as a relationship where you're giving of your talent and services and everything that you have to help that business grow Mm -hmm. and they're giving you in turn the opportunity to learn. And I've always said that no matter what happens, it can always be used as a bad example. So even if it's like the worst thing that ever happened to you in your life, you can always say, well, this was the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. And And it wasn't that bad. And it's always a story there. And that's, That's the thing I think uh, a lot of people, and even when I was young and in the, first in the workforce, there were things that I didn't want to do, and there were things that I had to do because it was part of my job, and it was tedious and boring, and those things just taught me how to be a better human. Yeah, they teach you, they teach you how to be a better human, and it also unlocks like that next level of what you want to do, and what it really unlocked for me is that I wanted to be a creative 
because designing and writing some punchier campaign themes and working and on the pitch. And you got to make a video with your own little camera and fruits and vegetables. Yes, we'll keep that off the record. That's okay, embarrassing. Sorry. But I was, was very proud. Thank you. It was. It got me. It got me to the place I needed to go, really, and that was awesome. Thank you for listening. For more information, go to edgehill.co. That's edgehill.co. Grace, are you snoring? Brought to you by Grace the Snoring Dog. There she is. <laughs> Wang? we're not going to be able to do any recording here with that snoring are we recording now